basics. That's not a fancy standard of living, that's just the basics. So what does God think about all of this? We're going to turn to scripture now and we're going to hear two short Bible readings. I've got two readers who are going to come forward and read to us now and the readings will be on the screen. So Joy and Sylvia, up you come. Joy, yours is first. This is from Isaiah. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to be good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Isaiah 58. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression feed the hungry and help those in trouble then your light will shine out from the darkness and john 3 16 to 17 for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So in the early centuries of the Christian church, they got themselves into a debate. They loved to have a good debate uh, back then. They got themselves into a debate about what those last verses that we just heard meant. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the debate was about what did it mean to say that God loved the world? Did he mean those who believe? Or did he mean all people everywhere, the whole world? And to answer that question really makes us think about and wrestle with what kind of God we believe in. Is God only interested in people who are interested in him? And is everyone else disregarded unless and until they come to believe in him? Are they just not his concern? Well, those other Bible readings from Isaiah help us to unpack that question, don't they? because they give us some insight into the kind of God that we believe in, what he is like, what pleases him, and what he wants from us as his people when it comes to our relationship with the rest of the world. So we're going to look at those readings together just for a few moments. More than any other book in the Old Testament, Isaiah reveals and uncovers the character of God. 
the Jewish nation had come to believe that God's blessing and God's favor and God's salvation was only for them. But Isaiah understood that God wanted to save people from every nation on earth and that his offer of love and his mercy was for all of them. The Israelites thought they were entitled to special treatment because they and they alone knew exactly how God wanted offerings and sacrifices and worship to be done. And they thought that if they just kept on doing all the rituals exactly right, that's all that matters, and they won't be judged for anything else. But in those verses that we read, God is responding to that with withering scorn. They were quite strong. He doesn't want any more sacrifices for them. He takes no pleasure in them because they're hollow. He's not interested anymore in their gifts or their worship or them lifting their hands in prayer. Why? Because at the same time, they're oppressing the poor. They're enriching themselves at the expense of suffering people. They're ignoring the cries of the suffering, turning a blind eye to poverty and oppression and injustice. I am not interested in your worship, says God, when you are oppressing the poor and ignoring the needy. In verse 17, he said, learn to do good, seek justice, not for yourselves, but for those who desperately need justice, a more just world. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of those who cannot fight for themselves, who have no voice, whose voices are not heard. And that tells us how we are to understand those verses from John. The Greek word that John uses in those famous verses, God so loved the world, he uses the word cosmos, which means the entirety of creation. God so loved everything in his creation that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. And it's not taking away from what we believe about salvation, that salvation is based on faith in Christ. It's not taking away from that. To say that God's love is for the whole of his creation, for all people everywhere. And the God of the Old Testament is particularly interested in the poor and the powerless for all those who are the easy targets for greed and exploitation. And Jesus as well was particularly interested in the poor and the powerless. He took an interest in them. He saw their lives. He welcomed them to his table and he stood up for them against the powerful. And so this is why principles like fair trade matter for us as a church. God cares about all people. All the people of the world come within his compassionate sight. 
he's not only interested in those who follow him. I'm not interested, says God, in your prayers and your worship and all the other things you do for me if you are blind to the needs of the oppressed. If you are ignoring uh, oppression and exploitation, you're pretending it's got nothing to do with you. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of those who cannot fight for themselves. And so this is why I've got quite passionate about fair trade because I can't sit at home on a Saturday night eating my bar of chocolate, drinking my cup of tea or coffee, whatever I'm having, and then come and lead you in worship on a Sunday morning when the farmers who produced that cocoa and that tea or that coffee are surviving on 80p a day. The World Bank suggests it needs to be at least two pounds a day per person in the household, even for the basics. And so I would like us here at Barton to become a fair trade church. We can get certification that says in this church, this matters and we are a fair trade church. And so by doing that, we can show that in our church, we believe that all people should be paid enough to live. And I want to talk today uh, about two things. I want to talk about what we can do as a church and what we can do as households ourselves. So let's look first at what we can do as a church. So the Fair Trade Foundation will accredit us as officially a fair trade church if we do certain things and they don't actually ask all that much. So to get their accreditation, all we need to do really is make sure that all the tea, coffee and sugar that we buy as a church to use here is fair trade. And we need just to agree that we will promote and encourage fair trade from time to time in the life of our church. I don't think that's very much to ask. And I really want us to do this. I really want us to be able to have a notice up so that the, the people who use the building and come in from our community can see that we have a notice that says we are a fair trade church because this matters to us. We believe people should be paid a fair price and earn a living for their families. So the, the sachets of coffee that we use for the church flasks, some of you will know what I'm talking about, that's already fair trade. We don't need to change that, that's brilliant. But we just need to make a point of making sure that our tea bags and our sugar, those other things that we buy, have the fair trade mark on them. I really hope that you'll get on board with this and feel proud that we can be a fair trade church and that we understand why it matters and why actually it's intrinsic to our faith because it's intrinsic to the God that we worship. And then let's think about us as, as individuals, as households. And I'm really aware that we're all on different levels of income and budget. So let me be very clear that this is not about making anyone feel guilty today. That's not what I want to do. 
This is about finding the one small thing that you could do that is right for you, that is affordable for you, that can be your way of saying, this matters to me because it matters to God. So I did a bit of price comparison. Um, when we buy a product with the fair trade logo on it, that means we can be sure that the farmers right at the start of the chain, the poorest people in this chain were paid a fair price for their crop. All the things that we've just heard about and we know that their community will get the uh, fair trade premium, all of those things. My perception was that fair trade items are more expensive. Um, that was one of the main reasons that I hadn't really bothered with it too much before. I kind of knew it was a good thing, but they're more expensive, and I didn't really have a clear understanding of, of what difference it made. And so those are two things that I want to address today, because I think that's pretty common. I want you to have a much clearer understanding of why this matters, what difference it makes. And I also want to do a little bit of myth-busting about cost. I don't want to blind you with too many prices. I'm just going to use tea bags as my example here. I've done a bit of research on this. Here are the prices of a few different brands of fair trade tea bags. So the, the core fair trade products are tea, coffee, sugar, cocoa, bananas. Those are the really kind of core products. So most of these prices here are for an 80 pack of tea bags. So Lidl uh, are quite good on their fair trade tea, but they didn't do an 80 pack. So there's a, a 50 pack there from Lidl, 99p. Uh, that's fair trade. Sainsbury's red label tea bags, that's their main own brand tea. Again, very good, an 80 pack, £1.10. M&S are really good on fair trade tea and coffee. So if you're a bit fussy, about which tea and coffee you have, there's no excuse, try theirs. Even their everyday tea bags, an 80 pack, £1.10. And then Co-op's main own brand of tea bags, their 99 blend, £1.15. I've got to say that of all the supermarkets I looked at, overall I think Co-op have done the most to really try to get a big range as possible of fair trade products. So all of those are fair trade tea. And I just wanted to see how the prices compared. So here are some prices also for an 80 pack for some that don't say fair trade on them. And I hope you'll notice here that, that you know, the supermarket owned brand, the prices are the same. And for the commercial labels, actually they're more if you wanna pay the price to get the branded product. All I want to illustrate is that it is possible to buy certain products with a fair trade logo on it without it costing you know, little or, or anything more at all. Some are more, but on tea and coffee and sugar, it's definitely possible to buy those fair trade without it costing you massively more than you would normally pay. So the other fair trade products I'd really like you to look out for, if you do baking at home, uh, sugar, caster sugar and cocoa, you can get fair trade. Um, Sainsbury's and co-op do that, probably other places as well. Fair trade bananas, it's such a no brainer to buy fair trade bananas, they're the same price. And actually co-op and Sainsbury's now only stock fair trade bananas, they don't have any other kind. 
So look for the fair trade mark. And really what I want to suggest to you today is that you think about whether in your household you could just pick one thing where you're going to say that will be the thing in our house that will make the effort to buy that one thing fair trade. So maybe for us it will be coffee. In our house we'll make the effort to make sure that just our coffee we do buy fair trade. Or maybe it could be tea. You could choose tea make sure that you're going to buy fair trade tea. If you do baking, that could be your thing. And say, well, in my baking, I'm going to look out for fair trade sugar and cocoa when I'm buying them. I was in the supermarket the other day, since I've been planning this service and this talk, I was in the supermarket, and I saw that the tea bags that I used to buy and like were on special offer. It was so hard not to pick them up because we love a bargain, don't we? We're like, oh, look, they're on special offer. Oh. And I had to make myself not pick them up because it makes us really happy when we feel we've picked up a bargain and we've saved 50p. But I've started to think a bit differently about my saving of 50p. You know, we feel very virtuous and we love it when we can buy the cheapest and we can save ourselves a little bit. But I've started to think that maybe there is something bigger here than me getting my tea bags 50p cheaper. Because I knew as I stood there in the supermarket that by buying them, not fair trade, I'm telling that huge global food company that I think it's okay for them to not work on fair trade terms and that it's okay for farmers to survive on 80p a day. And it's just really made me think that maybe actually the 50p in my purse isn't the most important thing here and that maybe I need to think about the tacit support that I'm giving to an unjust system if I do that. I'm not suggesting, please hear me, I'm not suggesting that you should be buying everything fair trade and you should feel guilty if you're not. I'm just suggesting that there might be one thing that you could pick for your house and say in our house we're going to buy this fair trade because that will be sending a message to the global corporations that this matters to us because they will not change their working practices until it hurts them in the pocket, will they? Until consumers actually start to make a bit of noise about this and it starts to make a difference. Learn to do good, says Isaiah. Seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of those who cannot fight for themselves, who have no voice, whose voices are not heard. The Old Testament told God's people that unfair labor practices and the exploitation of the poor, oppressing people, keeping people in poverty, those things are a sin. They are an offense to God. They're a denial of God's love for the whole cosmos. Ah, but that's the Old Testament. Did Jesus have anything to say about this? Well, let's see. So this is Jesus standing up and reading from the scroll in his local synagogue at the very start of his ministry in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
You sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It pleases God when we are good news for the poor. It honours God, it reflects his heart when we take notice of injustice and oppression, when we are willing to stand up to the powerful forces in this world and say, this is not okay. What do you think the good news for the poor could be that Jesus mentions? What could that be? If you were among the poor, what would good news be for you? Our passage in Isaiah is not saying that our worship is worthless. It's not saying that social action can replace worship. But what it's doing is it's challenging us to look at our worship through different eyes. It's challenging us to have a look at what worship looks like through the eyes of people who the richer world have oppressed and ignored and abandoned. Our Isaiah reading is a call to all worshippers of God to show regard for the people who are the most vulnerable in our own community and beyond. You know, if you look into the places in the Old Testament where justice is mentioned and talked about. It's really striking that in most of those occasions, you find yourself bumping into this same crowd of people, the widow, the orphan, the poor. Those who have no one to protect or provide for them in a hostile world. And those who have no money, no power, Whatever else we may think justice is about, it's really clear in the Old Testament that in God's eyes, justice is about them. It's about those people. And so we need to become a fair trade church in the tea, coffee and sugar that we use in our life here as a church. And I just want to encourage you to think about whether you could choose one thing that in your house you can say we'll buy that fair trade. So I've got my little stall at the back and I've bought some fair trade coffee and tea and chocolate from different providers. I'm not promoting any particular supermarket. I've bought a variety just because I want you to have some to take home to try. If you haven't tried it, buy some, take it home and try it today. I've got a small bar of chocolate free for each of you. We're going to pass those around in a minute. You can all have a little bar free. And when you eat your free bar of chocolate later or tomorrow, just remember what God has given you. Remember what God has freely given to you. You know, later in Isaiah, actually, this kind of justice for these kind of people. Justice for them is portrayed as something that comes as an outpouring of gratitude. 
It's part of the gratitude that we show to God for all that God has done. So I'll pass those round in a moment. I'll start one at each corner. Please pass. I've got a little basket of them. There's different flavors, chocolate. So have a little look. Choose the flavor that you fancy. If you've got children, um, bring them up to the stall at the back when they come back in and they can have a free bar of chocolate as well. Um, but do come and have a look at the stall anyway. See if you'd like to, to take some tea or coffee home with you. So we're going to come to a time of prayer now. I'm going to pray. These will be our prayers of intercession. I'm going to pray and I invite you to join in and say together the words that will be on the screen. So each time I say, we pray together, please join in and say these words on the screen. They'll be the same. It's the same each time that we say them. So let's pray together. Father and creator of everything, we acknowledge you as the provider of all good things. We have no ability to make food grow, but you graciously and lovingly provide what is needed. For all that is in our cupboards and our fridges, we thank you. And we pray that we would never take it for granted or take it as our right. You've called us to a neighborly love that is as generous as you have been to us. That doesn't just leave by the roadside those who have been harmed by sin and greed, but a love that goes out of its way to bring justice and healing. Will you help us to see the products in our supermarkets that are causing suffering, that are made with resources that have been stolen from the poor by powerful corporations for an unfair price? Will you help us to see and not be blind to unjust people and systems. We pray together, God of justice and mercy, call us to build a fairer world. We continue in prayer. You chose simple parables that spoke of simple things to show us what your kingdom is like. Seed in the ground, a woman sweeping her home. So now will you show us in the simple things how the choices that we make of what tea to drink, of what bananas we buy, can reveal your kingdom of justice and peace. We pray together. God of justice and mercy, Call us to build a fairer world. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the cries and the plight of those who are oppressed and kept in poverty, who long for a better future for their children, but are denied opportunities to improve anything. 
Show us how we can speak for those who are voiceless by supporting their cause and showing that it matters to us and to you. We pray together. God of justice and mercy, call us to build a fairer world. You call us to respond, not just to stand by. You call us to do what we can. May our lives more truly honour you, more truly reflect your heart for all people and for fairness in the choices that we make every day. We recognise that a fairer world for everyone starts with us. In the name of Jesus, we offer these prayers. Amen. So our final song this morning challenges us to respond. It calls out to the God of the poor to give us compassion and to more truly reflect his heart for the world. So let's stand and sing. Change our love from a spark 
Change your love. 